Bring It On is a public affairs program exploring the people, issues, and events affecting the African-American communities in South Central Indiana and beyond. Bring It On is a forum for the people, by the people, produced by an independent team of volunteers working at the studios of Community Radio WFHB in Bloomington, Indiana, and financially supported by listeners like you. Good evening, I'm Clarence Boone and welcome to Bring It On, a multiple award-winning radio broadcast in our 16th year as Indiana's only weekly community radio show committed to exploring the people, issues, and events impacting the African-American community. Good evening, I'm Roberta Radovich and we have an exciting show lined up for you this evening. Vernon Williams is a communications and community engagement strategist at Indiana University, Duke University, Indianapolis, referred to as IUPUI. He is celebrating his 40th year as a playwright from his first work, Whatever Happened to Blackness in 1980, which was staged by the Gary Creative Theater Ensemble. He's gone on to produce and direct numerous additional productions, including Sonnets from My Sisters, Playing for Keeps, A Woman's Place, True Colors, Divine Nine, and The Price of Progress, the Indiana Avenue IUPUI story. A recent production, Being Black, premiered October 2019 at Onyx Fest, Indianapolis. Onyx Fest, Indianapolis's first and only theater festival dedicated to the stories of African American playwrights. Onyx Fest was developed in response to the lack of diversity on stage and in audiences of Indianapolis's theaters. Vernon is no, certainly no stranger to bring it on. He reported on previous Black summer celebrations, classic weekends, and other community events targeting the Black community. He's here with us tonight, along with several, several collaborators for this year's Onyx Fest. Joining him is Justin Brady, who recently was appointed Indie Fringe, Indie Fringe Theater CEO. Justin brings over 10 years of experience in nonprofit development and marketing, most recently at New 42, the largest provider of performing arts education in New York City. Finally, we have Charla Booth, the Onyx Fest Artistic Director. She is CEO of her own agency specializing in motivational speaking and elocution. She's a drama teacher, director for the Indianapolis Public Schools at Broad Ripple Magnet High School for the Performing Arts, and her notable experiences at Madam C.J. Walker Theater, Gary Work, Emerson Visual and Performing Arts High Ability Academy, and at Seventh Sun Media Incorporated. To all, welcome to Bring It On. Thank you. Thank you. We are, we are truly honored to have everyone here tonight. And we sort of, uh, in our introduction, rushed over some of the um, areas that you're, that you're now performing in and managing. And I want to go one by one on the front end of this interview and just ask if you can elaborate a little bit more on what your... Uh, directorial duties are and what your playwright visions are. And we'll start with uh, Justin. Justin, if you want to just tell us a little bit about who you are and a little bit about your life story 
and you have 20 seconds. No. <laughs> yeah. Uh, hi. Just give us some highlights there. Yeah. Hi, I'm Brady, and I actually just took over as CEO of Indie Fringe uh, last October, and my first day was actually during the run of Onyx Fest, which was happening on the coldest night, I think, of Onyx Fest outside. And it was quite an event for first day, I will tell you. Very memorable. But I actually worked with the Fringe Festival when I was in college. The festival had just started and I wrote a paper about it and got involved and was on it for about five to... I would say five years I was employed with the festival. Then I moved away into different things. I got my master's degree in nonprofit management from IUPUI and I went to um, New York and started working in fundraising where I worked for the past six years, most recently at New 42, which was really focused on artist development. So whether that be theater for young artists or Broadway shows, which rehearse in our artist studio, we were really there nurturing the artists from beginning to end. And while my job was fundraising, I really got to see a lot of that development process. And so it was really helpful in terms of how I'm approaching now and trying to work with the different artist programs that are so great here in Indianapolis that have already started, including Onyx Vest, and why I really want to make sure that this succeeds now that um, Vernon and team at IUPUI have done a good job stewarding it over the last few years and will be taking ownership. And Charla? I actually um, have been working days as a, an education professions instructor at Christmas Addicts High School. It's dual credit with Ivy Tech. And I hadn't had the opportunity to really immerse myself in theater so when Onyx Fest um, came along, it was just like the light for me. Um, I am so blessed to be able to work with them as artistic director. Um, believe it or not, Justin, I used to run lights in the Indie Fringe building for several different companies. I was a lighting designer after I left the Madam Walker Theater. And so I feel very at home in all of your spaces and so grateful to have the opportunity to work with you again. But last year, creating the Onyx Fest in the pandemic was a real experience. Um, both Mr. Williams and the team just rallied and I'm sure Mr. Williams will tell you about it. It's an amazing experience. And I'm just so happy to be able to work with them again this year. Excellent, excellent. And Vernon? Oh, we are excited about this year. Um, we went through, as Charles said, um, an endemic year. And um, it was very, very trying because there were times when it looked as though there might not be an event. Uh, but through the help of the Lord, we persevered and uh, pulled it off with all six plays uh, produced successfully. And uh, were able to also get a run on WFYI to augment exposure for these playwrights. So it turned out to be uh, a blessed event and we're just excited about this year. Uh, we have a record number of entries uh, that have submitted for consideration and we're going through the final processes this week of selecting the plays for this year. How many plays on average per year, per season? Well, 
we are looking to do uh, no less than four, no more than six plays each year. All right. And uh, I'll turn it over to Roberta. I'm excited to have this conversation with such talented and uh, dedicated folks. I thought maybe we could start a little bit with your story. I'd like to know a little bit more. Um, I know a little bit, but I know our listeners would love to know a little bit more about what, 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 the, what the connection is between Indie Fringe and Onyx Fest. Can we start with the history of Onyx Fest and then connect that to Indie Fringe's relationship? Sure. Um, the uh, idea uh, evolved 11 years ago. Uh, at that time, we were not involved. And, and um, there was the first 10 years of Onyx Fest, first nine years, we became involved and the whole concept was to bring more exposure to stories of, by, and for the black community. Um, Onyx Fest addresses the lack of presence in central Indiana theater of uh, people of color and, um, and does it very effectively. It, it's hard to even conceive that it took until the 21st century, the 21st century, before there was a theater festival that addressed itself exclusively to black playwrights. That's amazing. That's amazing that it didn't happen to this century and that it took Indianapolis of all places to make it happen. But at any case, um, under the stewardship of um, Indy Fringe, um, and the great people there um, uh, involved with the district theater. Pauline Moffat has been the godmother of uh, Indie Fringe all these years and uh, ushered Onyx Fest to its uh, current level of success. And I became involved actually uh, three years ago when um, A.K. Matata, who was a professor at IUPUI, invited me to bring the price of progress to Onyx Fest. And that turned out to be very successful. The following year, um, he tricked me and moved to California and asked me if I would direct. He and Pauline ganged up on me and asked me if I would assume responsibilities of director. So I reluctantly accepted. And uh, because I was able to put together a great team of people, uh, both the committee and the people on campus through the Africana repertory theater of IUPUI, that made it happen. And um, we had a, a year last year that exceeded any expectation. And um, of course it culminates with um, the showing of the plays on WFYI and uh, Butler Entertainment and Arts uh, Center platforms and um, just massive exposure for these a playwright. So we're very, very excited about 2021. Mm -hmm. You all wear multiple hats. And uh, I'm really impressed that you you work, say, a nine to five in a perfect world, although I know you, you work many more hours than just than eight. Mm -hmm. You put on your, your capes and you become super people. 
put together plays that allow African-American artists and actors, thespians, whatever, to have a voice. And articulated that uh, that voice wasn't always around. And one of the wonderful things that I've read about Onyx Fest is that say, if you're a budding playwright, Onyx Fest will cover the cost of production. Yeah. Um, and, and that's no small feat. Oh. So I imagine you get a seasoned fundraiser like Justin to join join the staff. Yeah. And he puts his uh, his super cape on and goes out to the public and then raises the fund funds to underwrite and to make the dreams possible. Mm-hmm. You speak to the frustrations that these artists and, and playwrights had in the past and still have. Um, just trying to get their, their play to production. Um, Vernon or Charla? Charla, i throw that one to you. The difficulties of staging and financing a play. Absolutely. Um, first of all, Indianapolis um, tends to be a little limited in options that are available for Black theater to be staged. You either have to go into a house that's... Um, either union or has rental fees or has other things accompanying it and pay that money up front, or you have to use a church or um, a makeshift type of performance space. And so already you're looking at it an expense before you've even put the show together. Um, Look at costuming, set, lighting, hiring technical people, um, paying for rehearsal space. And it can get pretty daunting and expensive The good news is we have some of the best theater in Indianapolis, and a lot of it is coming from African-American sourced theater. And so something like Onyx Fest, and we had over 30 plays submitted that were considered for the show this year, over 30. And so they went through um, a myriad of steps uh, in terms of being eligible. And then we had an amazing crew of jurors that actually read every one of the plays and ranked them. And so those particular playwrights will have an opportunity that not many of the Black playwrights in Indianapolis has, as you said, and that is being able to have those upfront costs taken care of so they can concentrate on developing their actors and characters and getting those costumes right and having someone coming in and putting that special lighting on that you need to evoke those feelings from the audience in the scene. And they really can focus on the quality of the piece more so than the quantity of money it's gonna cost them to make it happen. Fantastic. I was curious, Justin, um, you shared uh, before we got started that have roots in Indiana, uh, and you actually have a degree from IUPUI and nonprofit management. You went away into the big world, and now you've come back home. So you kind of have this interesting insider-outsider perspective. I'd love to hear a little bit more about what do you see as the opportunity to innovate in this time of COVID? You know, how has, what do they say, the uh, the quote goes something like, uh, necessity is the mother of invention. So how has 2020 helped 
um, promote or provoke innovation um, in general in theater, um, but also just your perspective um, coming back home and thinking about what the possibilities are for community theater, for theater in general, to help educate, inspire, bring critical awareness and consciousness to the issues that our people deal with um, on a larger scale through theater? Yeah, that's a great question. I um, have been fortunate because since I've been back, we've been going through a strategic planning process with the fringe. And one of the things really interesting that has resonated since really since January that speaks to what Charla was just talking about is that our artists always are somewhat struggling, are going to be struggling more than ever coming out of the pandemic because they um, had been hit in some ways the hardest. If, if most of them don't make their full-time living from the arts, first of all, but the living you make from that, whatever that is a part of their gig economy, whatever, that has been completely lost for over a year now. And that includes both creative inspiration. It includes the collaboration of other artists. So there's other social uh, or intrinsic benefits that have been lost. Uh, and so I years of rebuilding. So part of what we are focusing on is how do we do more of removing the barriers for them to just really focus on their work. So how do we do more in reducing fees? So for like the fringe festivals, typically there's been a fairly large application fee and we are pretty much reducing those as much as possible and trying to subsidize it with grants or other that we've got. We're trying to do like, you know, I, like I said before, there's a lot really great play development programs, I would say, really coming out of New York that I'm aware of from having there. And so how do I bring some of those ideas back here? I'm somebody who doesn't feel I need to be the one that runs every program, but I can connect people like Vernon and Charla with people doing really cool things there and say, hey, you could learn something from them. And so that's the other thing that I hope to bring forward is just make some connections so we can learn from each other and really build our community resources. It's gonna take a lot, I think, to make all succeeding. So we do have to really work together, maybe more than ever. You're just joining us on Bring It On. We're having a conversation with three individuals who are breathing life in the theatrical world up in Indianapolis, uh, allowing and providing a platform for African-American uh, playwrights, actors, uh, choreographers, you name it, to bring their, their craft to the stage at times in the past when it was very difficult to even do so. We're talking to Vernon Williams, who, who by day uh, works at IUPUI as a, as a master strategist in community outreach. I'm, I'm enhancing your titles, by the way. So. Well, I appreciate it. Make that check payable to uh, Clarence Boone. Okay, okay. John Brady, who <laughs> out in New York making a name for himself on the new 42 in reference to 42nd Street, which for those that have 
travel to New York to view performing arts, you know, 42nd Street uh, is, is sort of the mecca out there. And Charla Booth, who has this wide array of experiences in this craft and above all the wonderful things she's done, she's a dear friend of mine going back to our years as elementary kids in, in that great city of Gary, Indiana. But it's so great to see that she is now the director, artistic director of Onyx Fest. And, and you need to experience this at some time. Um, be, before I go into our next series of questions, I want to just pause right here. People are listening. They're interested. They hopefully envision being able to go in person once the protocols are somewhat lifted and, and we can somewhat return to somewhat a new normal, but uh, how do they learn more? How do they contact you? Uh, I have a phone number, but I want to hear from you, Vernon. How, how can someone reach out if they want to come uh, to see a performance or if they want to submit a work or if they want to get some youth out there to get inspired? So what do they do? Well, all you really have to do is uh, go to uh, onyxfest.com and there's a contact right there on the website. Um, onyxfest, all one word, dot com. And the phone number is 317-274-8710. 317-274-8710. And um, it's interesting that you should mention the student component because one of the elements of the 2021 onyxfest production is going to be student internship opportunities. We're gonna have young people, college and high school, who are interested in theater and stagecraft, uh, behind the scenes or on stage, shadow people who are going about their business and making this happen uh, over at Indie Fringe, over at the district, at the campus theater, uh, getting all kinds of rich experience. And the thing that I personally like about it more being a Capricorn is that they get paid. Um, it's gonna be paid internships. So they not only will be learning, but they will be earning. So we're really excited about that component that's been um, added to it. So just go to onyxfest.com for more information. You always have a way of stays together uh, in, a, in a very catchy way, but uh, thank you for sharing that. Um, just, Justin, you mentioned the concept of a fringe festival. Explain to our audience what the French festival is. Um, why is, is this avant-garde work or, or what exactly is a French festival? So um, Indie Fringe is based on the global French fest kind of movement, which started in Edinburgh in Scotland um, probably 60 years ago. And it started be and was called the Fringe because it was on the fringe on the outside of a larger performing arts festival there. And um, it ended up becoming such a major festival that it's now the largest festival, one of the largest performing arts festivals in the world. But that's how the name The Fringe came from. And they really take place all over the world and particularly in um, across Europe and Canada and Australia. And they have grown in the U.S. over, I would say, the past uh, 20 years. We started our festival 16 years ago, and 
It is really typically 10 days in Indianapolis on Mass Ave. We have six to eight theaters where we kind of take over for those 10 days and have, you know, uh, we would have a play going every other hour at every theater. So we have 300 performances and it can be anything you can imagine. It's sometimes it can be risky and daring, but sometimes it can be really heartwarming storytelling. Sometimes it can be beautiful cabaret pieces. It could be magic shows. It can be family friendly. It can be truly anything. Everything that's kind of at the root of fringe is to be open to artists to really submit their own work without having the fear of it being rejected or censored in any way. So we don't, we don't, um, for those, for that festival in particular, we don't select the works. It is kind of first come first serve and you just enter what you want and that's what ends up on stage. So you might see something that's really great or you might see something that's not your cup of tea, but they're typically pretty affordable and they're only an hour long. So then you move on to the next show and it's a really fun weekend. Charla, I wanted to ask you, if somebody were a little bit interested in theater, but pretty intimidated um, by getting involved, what are some ways, what are some first steps to dip your big toe in uh, theater, in the theater scene in Indianapolis? Well, the first thing you do is you try to see as much as you can, the good stuff and the bad stuff, so that you get a feel of what it is that you like about the theater, where your passion is and what you love. And once you feel connected to a particular show or a particular um, set of pieces, then you can kind of reach out to those people and get to know and say, hey, I attended the show. I really enjoyed it. What opportunities do you have for volunteers? Um, there are just there's so many different ways that you can get involved in theater in Indianapolis, especially in the African-American theater, because we're always looking for people to help. Mm -hmm. And creating those contacts, making those connections. Um, if that's something that you want to pursue may actually move you into working with the group. So um, when I was started as a theater teacher, I taught children's theater and then they became high school. And then I started directing plays for Mr. Williams. And so I started working with adult cast. So I love them all. You know, I'm still a lighting designer for our black dance company. I love that too. So being able to just really find a way to walk in your own truth through the eyes and words and actions of others, that's what theater is. It's a chance to experience life inside yourself, but outside. And so anybody who wants to dabble in theater, I, I just urge them to go for it. A lot of people uh, discover that they actually have a lot of writing talents they didn't know they had because theater can be everything. It can be um, Mr. Williams' play Sonnets for My Sisters was a book of poetry that he wrote that we staged into many scenes. Um, they can write stories, they can write prose. Everything that you can imagine can be performed on a stage. And so for someone who wants to dabble in, who wants to put their big toe in, um, then that's somebody who really needs to be in theater because that yearning is already there. And they're thinking, um, people think they have to be courageous because they fear rejection, but the arts community is a loving, encompassing community. 
we are very non-judgmental people. And so it's just a welcoming kind of environment to come into. So if there's anyone who wants to volunteer for Onyx Fest, there's a form for that. No, <laughs> but seriously. <laughs> no, no, go ahead. So just go to the webpage and you can uh, download the form and sign up and learn how to uh, turn the lights on. Sign up right there on the page. Sign up on the spot. <laughs> Well, I wanted to I wanted to jump in and ask Vernon Williams what inspires his own creativity. I mean, you're prolific in um, prolific, and then you also write many different kinds of things. So, where do you find the time, and where do you find the inspiration? Well, you know, I'm I'm glad you asked that question because I, I tried to make no two plays that are similar. Um, that's just a kind of a, a, a thing that I have uh, for myself. And I did a set of plays with Gary Grady Theater Ensemble. Then I took a hiatus and came to Indianapolis and was fortunate enough to uh, do science for my sisters. Uh, Brother Clarence uh, had us down in Bloomington, um, uh, my church, uh, Mount Zion Apostolic Church, uh, hosted us at the Walker Theater. Uh, Westside Theater Gill uh, brought us to Westside Theater, Mark Spencer rather, uh, brought us there. So we performed it all over. But I get my inspirations from real life, real people, real things. Um, you know, you have experiences, there are things going on in the world. It's not all personal because I like to empathize. I like to put myself in other people's places and try to feel what people are feeling, even if it doesn't impact me personally. Um, and look at the oneness of, of what we do. Um, I will say this, on several occasions, I'm gonna call Clarence out. I have been inspired by request. Um, Brother Clarence asked me one time, said we're having a King Day program down here and you put something together. So, you know, um, I, I went into the um, prayer closet and came out with uh, True Colors, um, which was a reaction to uh, the Obama presidency um, in 2008 from various people's perspectives. And then um, good sister Kalila Shabazz, who is um, the uh, working now with uh, Dr. Karen Dace uh, at IUPUI and over the Multicultural Center. Um, she saw that and she said, okay, I have a request. How about um, a play about the uh, uh, black fraternities and sororities? So was that you, Clarence? It was you. Okay, so that was Clarence's second request. So then I wrote a play called The Divine Nine. Um, and then Kalila saw that one and said, we need something for the 50th, Vernon. Do something on Indiana Avenue. So I looked around to see if any plays existed and there were none. And it was like 2019 and I couldn't believe it. Um, so, uh, through the grace of God, we, we wrote The Price of Progress, the Indiana Avenue IUPUI story, and that was just a blessing. It was a blessing. Um, so many people got involved with it, and one of the most gratifying parts about it for me was that people who lived that Indiana Avenue experience came to the play. They enjoyed it. They had to put them out of the theater. They were staying after talking, and I did my heart good. And then I had teachers and educators saying that students need to see this. They need to make this connection and learn about Indiana Avenue. So I was very gratified by that. And then the last play 
being black was written as a response to um, what was going on in the world. Now, ironically, it was actually written before 2020. Um, I had to go in and make modifications. There was already, because God knows there were things going on before 2020. Um, but when those things happened, I went and made modifications and sort of redirected the plot and some of the characters and it captured some of the mood and spirit of that cry for social justice that's coming from all of us, um, a marginalized people, uh, whether racially, sexually, uh, our religion, uh, all marginalized pe people, the cry for just uh, the justice and the respect that uh, is so deserved. And that's what being black evolved from. I could uh, jump in. I want to say that when Sonnets for My Sisters uh, was performed here in Bloomington, and then you even confirmed that it was not so unusual that when the curtain came down and, and the applause were over, people stayed around, they milled around, they talked yeah. about their relationships. Yeah. And, and, you know, if you could be a fly on the proverbial wall, yeah. you'd probably hear women asking men, so I never knew you thought that way, or men yeah. saying, well, hey, do you think that way, or is that what's going on? And, you know, if the play, in my opinion, has accomplished probably everything you envisioned. Yeah, you know, Silas, uh, I, I had uh, older ladies come up to me uh, after and say, okay, did you write all the male and female parts? <laughs> I said, yeah, honest to God, I did. You know, I, in college at IU, I had so many female friends, just friends, and mm -hmm. I talked to them, and I was a good listener, good mm -hmm. listener. Um, and it was for no other purpose than to just be a friend. And as I, as I went on in life, um, um, some of their stories, I think that 96 plays, 96 poems rather, in the book, Sonnets for My Sisters, not all of them were in the play. Um, and Charlie, by the way, was the first director. Um, and the, all the, all the, every single poem from cover to cover, every single poem that you saw on stage was from a real life experience. No matter what the topic was, none of these were out of my head. Um, uh, they were inspirations that came from uh, real interactions with things. But good theater is a catalyst for conversation. And that is one of the main reasons that you do theater is to provoke thought so that when people leave the theater, you want them to take something with them. Mm -hmm. It doesn't end when the curtain goes down. Not so at all. you want those conversations to happen. And that is truly the mark of a, a quality piece of work. Well, and it just so happens, um, Mr. Boone, that very recently I was trying to talk to Mr. Williams about reinventing sonnets. <laughs> <laughs> we may do a revival of it. Well, we may do well, a revival. Okay, here's uh, after, the thought. Here's after the, thought. the first one in Gary, it's just the email because the email address was in the uh, back of the book that people were buying. And she said, your, your play opened my eyes. When I got home that night, I quit my man and told him to get out of the house. <laughs> I said, I don't know if that was what I was going for, but if he needed see, to go, he needed to see, go, you know? You're, you're putting Dr. Phil to shame now. No. One, one, other thought, thought. one other quick thought is, is that, okay, and, uh, you know, really take to heart the words that Charles is suggesting 
that you should sort of do a remake on sonnets, but maybe from the standpoint of sonnets during a pandemic, because I think yeah. the whole dating world has been turned upside down. Yeah, there certainly can be said, there's something to be said about um, the whole relationship issue uh, through a pandemic and, and not just in terms of couples, but in terms of people who wintered alone and people who were in budding relationships that had to be cut off because of um, the pandemic. And, you know, think about how it just impacted us in terms of work, things that we're used to doing every single day, picking up, getting, taking a shower, getting dressed, getting on the highway, going into the office, getting that coffee, sitting down at the desk. None of that. All that was cut out. We, we entered a world that we had never imagined. So if, if it impacted those kinds of routines, imagine the impact that it had on relationships. So you might have some. If I, if I can ask one final question, I'm gonna defer to Roberta. Speaking of the pandemic, uh, were there efforts or attempts made to take Onyx virtually to, to viewers and to those who are thriving and, and hungry and thirsty for some, some theater. It wasn't enough to take it virtual. Oh, smiles. That's, <laughs> that, that's absolutely what happened. Um, uh, when Pauline and I were talking back in the spring, she was, Vernon, what if we're not able to do it? I mean, and the, the beauty of this was these people who were rehearsing these plays were working on faith. The people who were helping in the background, operating on faith. Y'all know we didn't know what the world was gonna look like. We didn't know anything in March, April, 2020. Everybody was scared that some people were getting apocalyptic in their thinking and others were dealing with losses, serious losses in their families, among friends. So the, it, was a, it was a dark time. And um, uh, the one thing that I'll say is the people who are dedicated to this project, they just honestly never missed a beat. They, they, they just spoke things that were not as though they were. And, so, and, and to answer your question, we had as a background, a, back, um, a fallback WFYI that came into the picture, thanks to Pauline. And um, uh, they were gonna film it and simply allow us to show it on whatever networks we chose to. And uh, and they did film it. And then Butler University, show you how things happen. They stepped up and said, hey, we heard you all got WFYI filming these plays. We'd love to host them on our website. It goes out to 300,000 people around the world. So we said, okay, we can work with that. So everything just came together. It would through the grace of God. And, and we had people in at least two dozen foreign countries exposed to Onyx Fest, along with cities across the nation, Chicago, New York, Los Angeles, Atlanta. It was, it was just an amazing situation. That is amazing. And I have a couple of questions whirling around um, here that I've been trying to get to. Um, but one of the most important ones is you, you talk about um, sort of the global reach of uh, Onyx Fest. It makes me think about the importance, and I think, um, uh, Charla, you touched on the importance of theater in closing the gap 
in communication or understanding among individuals. And so what's the power of theater right now in this moment that we find ourselves? What does a Onyx Fest, no matter where it is in the United States, how can theater contribute to cross-cultural understanding, healing, and maybe even reconciliation? Um, again, um, theater can be very therapeutic sometimes because it allows people to see things about themselves mirrored in other people that they may not have uh, wanted to look at it first. And so that in itself opens a conversation, a spiritual conversation within a person. And I always talk about people being able to walk in their truth and acknowledging themselves outside of their ego. And so when you have people, Unexpressed was crazy for me because I'm one of those high risk individuals who could not leave my home for over a year. In fact, I'm still inside. I've been teaching virtually the entire year. And so having the opportunity through Zoom rehearsals and meetings and conversations, and then being able to see performances created an avenue for me to communicate with people and to have something to talk about that I didn't have. And I imagine it was like that for a lot of people. Also, the types of things that are being shown with the plays are real life situations. And so people are seeing relative things to their families, to people that they know. And again, more conversations are evolving. And so, Anything that can crack that door open just a little bit wider or raise that window up when so many people are still inside and even those outside have to be so careful. Um, we, we need connections. There's a lot of uh, lack of physical touch. And so people, humanity needs to be touched. And sometimes it can be done through the theater, spiritually, through conversation, through, as Mr. Vernon says, feeling how someone else is feeling and then putting that out there. So I imagine that with the pieces, there's a lot of healing that's going on, you know, and it's just, I just feel very blessed and humbled to be a part of something that the Lord created that's so immense. And that is the arts that allows people's hearts to be touched and to want to share that with another human. If you've just joined us, uh, we're having a if I could, I just wanted to throw that thought to Justin before we left it because uh, Indie Fringe was unique in that it functioned outdoors and created opportunities beyond Onyx Fest. There were productions there prior to and productions after. Uh, Justin, speak to some of that dynamic because that's a story in itself. Well, before you do, Justin, we, we just want to take care of one quick thing. If you tuned in to Bring It On, you're hearing uh, fabulous stories from three individuals who are, are just bringing a quality, uh, professionally produced stage art and um, all that goes with that from choreography to costume design uh, and just relevant content to the Indianapolis community. And, and we're talking of the Onyx Fest and we have with us Vernon Williams 
who is a communications and community engagement strategist at Indiana University, Purdue University in Indianapolis. We have with us Justin Brady, who will be talking in a moment, who is a CEO of Fringe, of Indie Fringe Theater. And you just heard uh, Charla Booth, uh, who is the Onyx Fest Artistic Director. And now, Jason, uh, Justin, if you can respond uh, to Vernon's request. Yeah, Indie Fringe, if you haven't been here, it's hard to explain a little bit, but it's uh, our theater is a 100-year-old church that in 2015, they built an addition onto the back of to make a second black box theater. And with that addition, they created this amazing hangar kind of garage door that opens up. And that allowed us to kind of create an outdoor stage that could easily be converted into a performance space despite the pandemic going on because we had some portable basic audio and lighting equipment that we could just easily without having really planned for create an outdoor theater. And so it's a very unique urban theater environment in that it wasn't designed for it. I mean, you get the sounds of the streets, cars going by, and occasionally you get a honk and you have to kind of like pause for a second, you know, a fire truck, whatever it may be. But it's kind of magical in the sense that it's nestled in between this large condo building and this kind of residential district. And it's really um, special. And so we were able to host over 60 performances between July and October of last year. So this was really one of the few outlets where people could come and safely, you know, experience the arts because it is a smaller area. We cap it at 65 people and we make sure there's social distancing and all of those kind of safety precautions, but people felt very safe here. And so we just reopened last week for the spring. And so we'll be, you know, back doing programming throughout the spring and summer outdoors. But, you know, I have to tell you, last week was our first, we had did two events and it was incredible. The energy I felt from people, um, even though people enjoyed being at the events last fall, just having that escape, the energy was so different this past week. I mean, people are just so thankful to have this release after a year has now passed of being in lockdown. And I think they are gonna really want those community connections and to have something like Onyx Fest and other things like that, where they can have stories that will give them conversation and just reasons to invite their friends for a night out to do something and you know talk afterwards or a unique date night. There's just so many opportunities that theater can provide after people have been locked down for so long that I think people are going to appreciate, hopefully, in a way that maybe they did not previously. What what successes, uh, Justin, are you experiencing as you diversify the Indianapolis theater community, uh, both with productions, say from Onyx Fest or opening the door? for budding talent to walk in or seasoned talent to walk in? Well, you know, I think like anything, it is unfortunately a slow process, but Onyx Fest has produced um, plays for 10 years, which has included now over a hundred different plays and performances. And some of those have gone on to 
you know, perform in our main festival. So this year we're including being black and I feed you to finds from last year's Onyx Fest in our main festival so that they can get really more exposure in a larger crowd. Another one from several years ago that was a large hit was Monica Cantrell, who um, was in Being Black, but she is an African-American cabaret singer. She's done a show in the past in Indie Fringe um, called uh, Josephine, which is about Josephine Baker. And she is phenomenal. And she, you know, lived in California for years, had been in Indiana, went to California to live with family, came back, and now is really dedicated to the theater community here. She recently joined our board. And so I think there have been some success stories, but there still needs to be more to be done to see the success um, kind of peripherate beyond just one-off events and performances. Well, that kind of speaks towards um, and, and lifting all boats. You need partners. Exactly. And as I'm sitting here listening, I've heard um, some corporate names or some, some educational institutions mention IEPUI, certainly. Um, and I'm thinking of Madam C.J. Walker, um, but that's, that's, those are big arms. And then of course, you, you can't forget the fact that you have corporations that I, I hope are catching the vision and uh, digging into their wallets or purses and uh, supporting financially. Because and again, you're paying all the costs and you, your experience with uh, fundraising, but that has to be a, 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 tremendous, a tremendous lift to have to perform. And, and then I want to ask all three of you in our remaining time about your vision for Onyx Fest going into the future. And uh, Justin, just real quickly before we get into that, are there talent scouts that come out to these performances? You mentioned the success of one individual. I'm sure there are numbers of others, but are there talent scouts that uh, are invited purposefully or they are watching and just observing the progress of Onyx Fest? Uh I would say it has not been that formalized, uh, but being new into the community, I can't also speak too much to answer that question. What I would say is the theater community in Indianapolis is really tight knit. So I do think that if a performer or a writer is seen and word gets out that they are really, you know, doing something remarkable that does spread within the theater community and it does leads have more opportunity, but I still think that we could be doing much more to more uh, directly influence that to happen rather than just letting it passively happen. And you never know who's, who's watching. You never know who's getting tapped on the shoulder to say, hey, that production that Charla Booth put together, well, that would work for us. We need to get her. Or... Hey, that Vernon Williams guy that Clarence Boone inspired, we need to get him, bring him on board. So as we round this out with four minutes to go, let's hear about the vision that all of you have for Onyx Fest and also for Indie French. So we'll start with Vernon. Well, I believe that Onyx Fest uh, will evolve into uh, a year-round opportunity uh, to cultivate talents of young people. Uh, 
Black, well, not just young, young, middle-aged, and older, because we want to be inclusive uh, <laughs> patrons of the arts, as well as those who want to participate um, as practitioners through uh, acting, playwriting, uh, stagecraft, anything that they want to do uh, to participate. And we're just excited because this is all made possible by the Africana Repertory Theater of IUPUI and through uh, grants from the Central Indiana uh, Community Foundation and the Margot Echoes um, Fund. The, that's how we were able to do it last year, along with Morgan mm -hmm. Stanley. You were mentioning some of the corporate partners, so uh, we're very appreciative of them, and we want to expand that field so we can do more. Charlie. And on that, I just want to say, in addition to the fest itself, we're already talking about doing some other smaller types of performances, um, workshops with the youth and adults. I'm looking forward to that so much as well. And just looking to see um, where this takes us. You know, I'm just very happy to be able to go along with the ride. Okay. And Justin? Yeah, Indie Fringe is really evolving in a way to just really be more artist-centric in our services and how we can really work with them to provide, you know, both venues and programs that help lift their arts because they are the producers of the art that we put on. We don't produce the art ourselves. And so the best that organization we can be is as good as our artists. And so that's what we're really focused on, how we can help kind of lift them up and, and work with great partners like um, Artie at on and Onyx. I just want to say I'm really inspired by um, Vernon, your ability to bring all kinds of learning to bear to thoughtful and um, relevant conversations um, that find their home on a stage. And Carla, I'm really impressed. And Justin, I'm really excited about what you are are bringing to Indianapolis um, theater scene and how all of these threads and all of these um, opportunities really create a platform to give people of color, and I would say especially Black people in Indianapolis, a space to be themselves, to hear themselves, uh, think so to speak, <laughs> to talk to themselves and reflect on the issues um, that are impacting our African-American community, both historically and, and in our current moment that we find ourselves. And then to also just enjoy the beauty of um, the experience of artistic expression and um, poetic words brought to the stage, all of, all of that which is the divine, which is the God in us, just being able to have a platform for, for black folks in Indiana, in the Indianapolis area, for us to, to, to access the divine, especially in this moment. Um, I just think it's amazing. And I really encourage everybody to get, hop on that Facebook, hop on that 
a, a World Wide Web and look up Onyx Fest and uh, get involved. Find out how you can contribute your time, your talent, uh, maybe even some treasures down in the bottom of your pocket um, to help support, um, you know, the work um, that Justin, Charla, and um, the incredible Mr. Vernon Williams are doing. So I personally, as a citizen of the state, I want to say thank you. Thank you so much. And on that note, uh, we want to thank Vernon Williams, Justin Brady, and Charla Booth for joining us this evening for a conversation on the 2021 Onyx Fest Theater Festival and the Indie Fringe Theater uh, Partner they're partnering with. And for more information, reach out at 317 274-8710. Again, 317-274-8710 or contact at onyxfest.com. Again, contact at onyx and that's O-N-Y-X fest.com. Bring It On has an open submission policy. So if you have an idea for this program, let's hear it. Send an email to our volunteer staff. The address is bringiton at wfhb.org. We want to make sure that we are covering everything and anything affecting the African American community in our listening audience in Bloomington and beyond. The email address, once again, is bringiton at wfhb.org. Our show's executive producer is yours truly, Clarence Boone. And, and let me just uh, insert a quick sentence. Uh, we want to thank our listening audience for their patience as we are using Zoom technology. And it is not perhaps the most perfect platform, but it is what we have during a pandemic. And uh, I really want to say thank you to those who appreciate this show. I want to thank the help we received from the WFHB News Department, uh, led by Kate Young. Our original theme music was created by Jamil Effiam with additional background tracks by David Baker. And for WFHB, I'm Clarence Boone. And I'm Roberta Radovich. Be sure to tune in next Monday at 6 p.m. for another edition of Bring It On, right here on your community radio station, WFHB. You've been listening to Bring It On, a volunteer-powered production of Community Radio WFHB in Bloomington, Indiana. Bring It On is your forum for open dialogue on the people, issues, and events affecting the African-American community in South Central Indiana and beyond. Send your comments, suggestions, and story ideas directly to the Bring It On staff. The email address is bringit at wfhb.org. That's bringit at wfhb.org.